In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. This is the first Sunday of the Great Lent, and today's Gospel reading picks up where we read last week uh, from the famous uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Since the first day of Great Lent is, um, since the first Sunday of Great Lent, uh, is a, it's a good idea to kind of talk about uh, the spiritual life and, and also to talk about Lent generally uh, as a spiritual journey. So Lent is usually a time of uh, the year filled with spirituality, like a high level of spirituality. We, in the, in the um, liturgies throughout the week, we read prophecies, we have special prayers, we have extra liturgies, we do extra fasting, as you all know, um, we do metanias and prostrations. Well, this is a time for us to repent of our sins and give, give alms and charity to those in need and to the church and to everyone uh, that needs it. Solemn hymns that we pray only once throughout the year. And we have prayers for the sick. It's full of these very spiritual things that we do only this time of year. Many call this the storehouse of spirituality, which we store up this spiritual treasure that lasts us throughout the whole year after Lent. Uh, if we look at the Sunday readings during Lent, we see a theme of a journey. Uh, so the Sunday readings, we have seven Sundays, and these readings on every Sunday is like a journey that one uh, that actually occurs inside of us. This is an internal journey that we take. Um, one uh, that is a summary also of the spiritual journey that we take throughout our whole life. So it's like a model during this seven uh, during this time of Lent. It's a model of spiritual journeys that we take throughout the rest of our life. It has its beginnings, its failures, its successes, the nourishment and healing we receive from God along the way, the joy we finally see um, when we get to the destination and uh, when we cross that finish line. So last week we call that the Preparation Sunday. It's the journey that began last week. Um, the journey begins from within, as we read in the Gospel, when we make a determination to get to that destination. Before we begin any journey, of course, we have to say, okay, this is my destination. This, before you input into the navigation system, you have to put a, a final destination to get there. You don't just start traveling and decide halfway there where you're going, right? You know from the very beginning where you're going. So it begins in that internal place. When we go to our, our room, our closet, that secret place that we have, and to search inside of ourselves, to look in inwardly and what's happening in our life, and to close that door that leads us to death, and to open the door that leads us to God. Um, and we step away from corruption, and we step towards immortality uh, more than this world. We spend time with God alone in solitude, worshiping Him, and praying that God blesses us on this journey. So that was the first week that we read last week. So today's Sunday, like any journey, we must pack provisions. And as God reminds us in the reading today, our provisions are not provisions of this world, right? We don't pack our uh, uh, worldly uh, provisions so that we can take this spiritual journey. No, we pack, of course, the spiritual um, provisions, which of course is faith and trust in God before anything else. So we read about today not to worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, and to not worry about tomorrow. The gospel speaks about surrendering our life to God totally, to our Lord and Heavenly Father. We, we surrender our life to Him totally in total faith and trust. This is what faith is about, is surrendering. We have to trust that in His words that He provides us everything that we need, and we don't 
doubt along the way that you know he's going to let us go or we're going to lack things when we begin this spiritual journey sometimes we we like to calculate or overly calculate uh everything and about what our bills are and what um what challenges we have or the troubles we have at work or you know school or all these things and we kind of think too much about these things rather than you know doing our due diligence of course but then afterwards putting it in the hand of god and not worrying about it uh, we need to have this total reliance on God and believe in Him um, 100%. After we've done, of course, all we can, we put it in God's hands, and He's faithful and honest to deliver what He's promised to us. A life of submission is what's needed, though. And at the same time, we need to do our part and be diligent in whatever task uh, is at hand. So with today's reading, uh, we look at starting this journey with a reminder of uh, four or five things, and we'll, we'll go through those. First, he says, keep your heart and eyes to heaven. Keep our eyes on the destination of the journey. That's what he says. Uh, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If our minds are on focus on the on the eternal rewards, on our true home, which is in heaven, uh, and our minds and our hearts and our affections and our hopes are, are placed there, uh, we go through this world with a completely different perspective. Our, de our destination and, and home is not of this world. We need to constantly remind us, uh, ourselves of that. We remind each other and we remind ourselves. Um, we have to value that eternal life as a treasure that is incomparably better and worth more than any worldly treasure. Even if we were to gain the whole world, uh, it, wouldn't, it would pale in comparison with what we have waiting for us in heaven. More than food and clothes and gold, as our Lord teaches today. We know that there will be a resurrection of the dead. We look to the end of days, the second coming, and the resurrection of the dead because this is where our true hope uh, and life begins, right? This is where our rewards are kept for us. This is where mercy and justice will flow. And this is uh, the true resurrection that will be everlasting world without end. This is where we place our hopes in the creed. When we read that, we always say we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the coming age. And the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. We're constantly looking to heaven because that is where our true home is. Looking to that true resurrection, we remind ourselves that we are only travelers on this world. We're not like residents here. If you're, it's like you go on a vacation um, and visit another land, you're not true, truly worried about the internal politics or the, because you're just a visitor. You're just going on vacation. This is kind of like what we're going through here. Of course, we do our due diligence to affect the world around us in a positive way. But having done that, we remind ourselves that we are just travelers here and this is not our true home. Looking there to that eternal place that we will all end up in sooner or later um, affirms our belief that the dead do indeed rise from the dead. And, we, and they, when they rise again from the dead, they never die again. It gives us every courage to face every challenge we face in this world, every shortcoming, every um, every disaster, no matter what it is, as long as we're looking there, it gives us that courage and endurance to bear all things. Looking there gives us that depth of peace and removes any kind of anxiety that we may be feeling in this world. We see even life's worst challenges as temporary, as a cloud that hangs over us for a while and then blows away over time eventually. Um, that's why he says uh, the moth uh, can 
take our clothes, the thief can take our gold. But if we place our true treasures in heaven, and that's where we put our affections on, these things, of course, will never be taken from us. Because it's the nature of this world to lose things, a material possession, because they're temporary. They're temporary in this world, and they're definitely temporary um, when we look at the bigger picture in eternity. Uh, that's the nature of this life. We have people stealing our stuff. We have moths, you know, erosion, you know, eroding our houses. We have moths, uh, you know, eating our clothes, I guess. You know, maybe plastic clothes don't get eaten. But generally speaking, our, our possessions in this world don't last long, right? They, they last temporarily. So as it were, we're exchanging the inferior with the superior. We, we take the, the inferior things that we have in this world and we give it to God to um, and offer it to Him for the things that are far superior. Things that perish with uh, and easily disappear with things that do not perish and things that are secure. And we exchange them for these heavenly treasures. I recently read a story in the sayings of the, of the Desert Fathers about a monk who had moved to the desert to you know seek a, a spiritual life. And, uh, and he went there as a young man. And the, this, uh, this monk lived in a desert that was approximately 12 miles from the nearest water source. So every day he would wake up and walk 12 miles to get, you know, buckets of water and take it back to his cell. So that's like, you know, he'd walk a lot during, during this time. And um, on his way to draw water, after many years doing this, he was tired out and said, Why should I suffer this? I will come and live by the spring. And so he wanted to go and live closer to that, uh, to the source of water. As soon as he said this, he turned around and saw a, a man following him and counted, counting his steps. And he asked him, who are you and what are you doing? And the man replied, I am an angel of the Lord sent to count your steps and reward you. When the monk heard this, he resolved and he was resolved and strengthened and he moved his cell five miles farther from the spring. Because he understood that these things are what gives us these eternal rewards. We're transferring the things of this world and exchanging them for things uh, that are much better. So in this case, he traded his footsteps for greater and eternal blessings. It's a very simple story, but it, it, it does send us that same message. As we read last week, our Lord seeks to reward us openly and uh, give us uh, from the things we have uh, through faith, love, and sincerity. Uh, so when we give things through faith, love, and sincerity, God rewards us. This is what we read last year. He says, if you fast in sincerity, if you pray in sincerity, if you give from sincerity and not for the, uh, the praise of other people, for example, or to satisfy our own conscience, but truly for the love of God and for the love of each other, then he, he says that's the promise that he will reward us openly. So when we give of our times and we give our alms, our donations, our help to others, even our footsteps, as in the case of this simple story, uh, and they're done for God's glory, God rewards us. God is ready and looking for a reason to reward us openly, especially our eternal reward. And, you know, giving, for example, is a good example of this, that uh, traditionally people do give more during uh, this time of Lent. Um, it becomes part of our worship. Giving becomes part of our worship. Um, it's really encouraged that when you give, like say if you give a donation to a church, to have your children with you and let them see it so that they too understand that we are to give of what God has given us because the things that we have are not our own, it's God. So we give God to what things already belong to Him. Um, make it be part of the, the, um, the worship. 
have it be part of repentance. Like St. Augustine, when he says, the two wings of prayer, the two wings of prayer are fasting and almsgiving. And we know that Christ will reward us as he promised us. The second thing he tells us today is to um, protect our senses. He says the, the, um, the lamp of the body is the eyes. Um, we should protect our senses. The senses is a lamp of the body. Uh, what, uh, if you see good things, good things will reside inside of us. If we see bad things, then darkness will reside inside of us. They're kind of like the gates of our internal kingdom. So we should protect our senses, the things we see, the things we hear, and so on, that we can have pure uh, internal kingdoms rather than darkness uh, residing in us. So we should protect our senses. Um, we should also be careful of the Trojan horses that uh, sometimes uh, appear innocent and we say, oh, it's not a big deal. And then it, they go inside of us and then they're, they're like the Trojan horse and they open up and they, they destroy a lot of good things that are inside of us. So we should be very careful with our senses. Uh, another thing he mentions today is that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve God and we cannot serve money at the same time. This journey is taking us to the master's house. We cannot take one journey to two different destinations, but only one destination. Every journey only has one destination. It doesn't have two or more. Uh, we are either servants of God traveling to him or servants to something else traveling somewhere else, such as, for example, the world and its riches. Uh, some are servants of Satan directly. Some are servants of even themselves. Uh, but there can never be two destinations for a journey. You're either going to Christ or you're going somewhere else. And that's why in James chapter 4 it says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And in uh, 1 John chapter 2 it says, Love not the world, nor the things which are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love both. One can only love God or worldly possessions and money. It cannot be both. If one loves money, is not willing to be part um, to part with almsgiving, they're not willing to spend time with others in service, they're usually the ones who worry the most, right? Because they don't want to lose their riches, they don't want to lose their glory in front of other people. He also tells us today not to worry. At the beginning, Christ speaks of the love of money and power. And then he today he speaks about um, not to worry because it, usually the two are linked, right? The people who worry a lot are those who really worry about their riches and, their, and, their, and how other people view them. Um, who are they to worry about these things except those who excessively love money, wealth? So it's not really having wealth. It's not really being rich, but it's where our affections are placed. If we really place our affections and hopes and, uh, and our hopes for stability in riches, then that's where the stumbling is. The love of vainglory or praise from others as well. These are the things that cause worry inside of us. But if we let go of these things, we, we tend to worry a lot less. As we're in the, early in this journey in Lent, we remind ourselves that the Lord is the initiator of the journey. He's the one who started us in this journey. He's also the destination himself, and he's also our companion along the journey. So he starts the journey with us, he walks with us along the journey, and the journey ultimately leads to him. That's why in Matthew it says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of age. That word lo, we don't use that in our common language, but lo means to look as if something had been suddenly made apparent and clear. Lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the age. Look and see that the companion is with you along the journey.
caring for you and walking with you and raising you up when, when uh, there's stumbling. He doesn't promise that there won't be any troubles. He doesn't promise that we're never going to fall short, um, falling along the way as it, it may, this kind of falling actually may be for our benefit. But he does promise to be with us. And if we persevere, we will have victory through him. That is the promise. He's traveling with us, picking us up when we fall, nourishing us, healing us, enlightening us, and entering into the glory with us. Finally, he says to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He doesn't say um, that these things shall be given to you, but it shall be added to you. So he wants to emphasize that when we seek the kingdom of God first, to have that place as our home, our hope, and our desires are, are placed there, then he won't only give us the eternal things, which are far greater glory, but these trifling things in this world he'll give us as well. Uh, he seeks to give us all good things. So we should seek the things to come, and he will also give us the things um, that, that are present in this life. So if we look at the things that are in the future to come in the heavenly kingdom, he'll give us things of the present. We should seek the things that are not seen, and he'll give us the things that are seen. We should seek the eternal things, and then he'll also give us these temporary things as well. So in our prayers, let's not just ask for these temporal things that of this world. It's okay to do that. But also make sure that in our prayers we ask for the eternal things, that there should be victory in the end of our lives, um, and that we are counted worthy to entering into the kingdom with all of his saints. So in our labors, not just to work hard for things of this world. It's great to work hard at work and in our homes and with our families, but also let's work hard in our spiritual life as well. Let's give some effort. Even no matter how small that effort, let's make sure that we dedicate portions of our efforts to the spiritual life. Let's be like that monk who um, uses his hard-earned footsteps to trade them in to uh, get eternity. He was walking towards eternity. Uh, that we share in the labor of the apostles. So there's a special prayer that the priest prays that we, he, he prays during, uh, before the Acts reading, that we are counted worthy of the sweat of the apostles, that we can sweat with them, because they labored really hard, right, to spread the, the gospel throughout the world, that we're, we're counted worthy to kind of work hard with the apostles for the salvation of our souls and those around us. Because our God is a good God who provides all and who's willing to give us all things um, he's the only master in the universe right that we submit when we submit ourselves he allows us to uh, share in his glory he says those who overcome will sit on my throne what king who has a faithful servant the king in turn allows them to sit on his throne but that's what Christ promises us that when we submit to him and give him these things he gives us things that are incomparably better I look forward to making this excellent journey with you throughout Lent. May the blessing of the great Lent be with us all and strengthen us to renew our thinking and to be renewed, not be conformed to this world, but to God, to whom be glory forever. Amen.